It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. Game eight. Yeah, but it's only game seven because we only had half a game for one of them. I haven't really decided how to name these. And then I got it completely <laughs> wrong last week on calling to lose the wrong one. Anyways, I'm Rob Murphy. You're welcome along. We're in a restaurant in downtown Parma. And we just had a lovely meal. William Davis, welcome along. Thank you, Rob. We've heard from Alan Deegan Ray, but here he is. Welcome along. Thanks, Rob. And Lindy McKenzie, welcome along. We are Sarah. Sarah, there you go. Yeah, I don't even know what to say about <laughs> All they seem to say, yeah, anyways, let's move on. Um, Prego, that's what they say. That's all they say to anything. Anytime anyone says anything around here, it's just Prego. Prego covers everything. We didn't have you last week, Lindy, so now we can look back at two games where Connacht have done quite well with Europe. Nine points. <laughs> look, I'm sitting here drinking this beautiful bottle of Chianti, and you want me to go back two weeks ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you will be able to go back a few hours. <laughs> That's our main aim here. That, that would just be a week, actually, Rose, as we played Toulouse. Yeah. Did I say in two weeks? Yeah. Well, by the time people listen and stuff. We let him away with that. Yeah. All right. Connick beats Everett today. 52 points to seven. Quite a comfortable win. I suppose we better get a bit of the story of the game. A few snippets from the commentary. How do we do the commentary today, Alan? Well, we had this um, excellent piece of live commentary. We even did, a, I think, a 45-minute build-up to the game because we had a live stream on Galway Bay FM. Pre-game show. Um, pre-game show, live commentary all the way through, including half-time as well. So a bit of work. A bit of work was required to keep us going, but it uh, went all went fantastically well. And I think um, it's Damien who did a great job making sure we were technically able to do it. And, yeah, um, yeah great work. Big thanks to Damien Burke in Galway Bay FM. Thanks to William here beside us who did a fine job in the background as well producing the whole thing and uh, yeah we got through it all we got some audio to come as well obviously uh, the Anthony Foley's passing was marked today by Connick fans but with flags and songs and uh, minutes applause in the 8 minute which was brilliant uh, to see we're going to hear from John Fallon a little bit later in the podcast he was in Tolman Park yesterday and takes us through some of the story of it but in the meantime yeah. here's the story of the game You are very welcome to uh, Stadio Sergio Lanfranchi here in Parma. On co-commentary today, Alan Deegan and William Davis. Alan, I'm going to start with you. Uh, the atmosphere is set. Connacht are out warming up. I see the backs are in a huddle there. Uh, it's going to be some contest and a really important one. It certainly is. It's perfect conditions. There's no breeze. It's about 14 or 15 degrees. The pitch is looking fantastic. Um, and the, and the, the players are in, in good form. They're in fine fettle. I was just chatting to Jimmy Duffy before the game, and he's, he's really looking forward to it. Um, and reckons that we're, we're going to put in a big performance, which I think we'll need. William, Sebre have targeted this game as well, and they've had some success against Connacht in the last couple of meetings. Scored four tries in the league game last February in a defeat, but did get a couple of, get a bonus point out of it. And they led at half time in the game that was called off just a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think it's a game they've targeted. They uh, they took a, a pounding last week, 82-14 away to Wasps. It's a horrendous performance and a shocking defeat. They picked a weakened side, but I don't think they expected it to be as, as grim as that. This is their opportunity. It's their first home game in Europe this season. They have picked the strongest side that they possibly can, and I expect them to give it a real go. The, 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 the concept for Connacht will be to keep them out of this for as long as possible go from Delahunt and he's only four metres from the line and again they charge on Marmion they're right underneath the post Jay Keenan Jack Cardy looks for the gap tries to kick it into the corner Stacey Ely scores beautiful kick from Cardy good finish from Ely they scored in the corner Connick lead in this game five points to nil 
Yeah, some, some great trucking up by the forwards. Andrew Brown held onto the ball well. Great run from Shane Delahunt, got across the gain line. Sean O'Brien wasn't actually held, which is why he was able to crawl on, along the round a little bit. And a beautiful piece of play from Jack Carty. You saw that the, the Zebra guys had come up. There was nobody in behind and a really delicate little kick that bounced straight into Stacey Eadie's hands. The ball's playable, so Zebra get their first attack of the game and try a backline move. Massive hit by Peter Roth. Forces a turnover and Jack Carty's away. He's going towards the other end of the field. He's been chased down, but he's going to make it all the way, I think. He forced a try. Wonderful start to this game for Connick. 13 minutes gone, they lead by 12 points to one. He read that so fantastically. Zebra were trying to do a Connick, trying to pass the ball out the back door. Peter Rob wasn't having any of it, and he hit his man while he was at full speed. He absolutely buried him. That man is still down on the ground. I'd say it'll, it'll take him a while to get up after that hit, and a fantastic piece of play from Carty to realise there was nobody back trying to do Connick but just not doing it fast enough we've we've talked in the past about being bundied well that chap's been robbed well Quinn Rue has just pointed to his arm whether he's talking about someone biting him or standing on him but he's 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 shown that there's something on his arm that 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 happened on the ground and he's not very pleased that they wanted to confirm there's a card it. coming out it's red it's red carded 14 points to nil Stacey Ely with the first try in 11 minutes lovely little kick through from Cardi good finish in the corner and that Peter Robb tackle forced to turn over and Cardi goes all the way in underneath the post but they need all of those 14 points since then because I know Sean O'Brien's back on the field and they have an extra man for the rest of the game we'll talk about the red card in a second and Zebra have had most of the second quarter but only because Connick made mistakes yeah. they didn't produce anything themselves it's only because Connick got a little bit loose I'm not sure what they're trying to do whether they're trying to off the load the ball a little bit too much and not just securing it they tend to, I've noticed three or four of the guys are running with one hand on the ball as they try and make sure that they can get the ball loose or hand off and that's just not, you know, that's just silly. If they keep playing it simple, keep driving on, they're winning most of the contacts. 40 points to seven, Connacht have a line out in the 10 metre line inside the Zebra half. They're trying to finish this game with a couple more scores. Let's see if they can do it. Dave Heffernan, I'm surprised that the referee let that go for so long, but maybe he just wants this game to roll on a bit. Cardi, here's O'Leary. Oh, that's a nice little show and go. And Shane O'Leary has created a try for Keane Keller. Keller, his second try. And Connacht continue to roll on. Here's Stacey Ely looking for that hat-trick, cuts inside, he's tackled high, and he's still going, he's over the line, and he scored the try. Hat-trick on his first start. What a day for Stacey Ely, what a day for Connacht with 90 seconds to go. They've got another try, 50 points to set. Full time between Toulouse and Watts, 20 points apiece. We've been following that score here. John, the listeners online will have heard the Connacht team get a great reception from what we reckon to be around 100 travelling fans who have made the long journey over for this game in Parma and they will be extra happy when they get news of that result. With me on co-commentary during the stream were Alan Deegan and William Davis. I'll start with you, Alan. That puts Connacht in an absolute brilliant position in the group as both Toulouse and Wasp get two points from that but Connacht have come away in the first two rounds with nine points. Yeah, you couldn't really ask for a, a whole lot more, you know, to, to beat the four times champions to lose at home when we were under an awful lot of pressure and then come out here, make as many changes as we did, have the younger side we've put out all season and to, to play as well as we did the whole time. And then they fixed a number of things on the field that they had to fix. 
um, which again just shows that the, their ability to think on their feet, their ability to, to size up situations and fix them is improving game by game and it's really, really good to see. 52 points to seven, eight try scored by Connick. Stacey Ely, the Auckland-born signing that's come in in September, 25 years of age, scored a hat-trick. We had a penalty try from the scrum. Jack Carty got a try, two tries from Keane Keller and one from Connor Carey who came off the bench in the second half to score as well. Zebra just responding with the one try. We've seen Connacht have some scrappy displays here, William. Today they were clinical. They topped the group with nine points. That would put Wasps on seven. And because Toulouse have drawn at home and lost to us, they're just on three. Yeah, that's a great result for us because Toulouse aren't exactly out of it, but they, they're going to... I mean, they were leading nearly all the way in that game. Every time there was a side in the lead, it was Toulouse. Today was exactly what Connacht had to do, and they did it well. They will be... There'll be much to work on. They're always very critical of themselves and they'll work hard on the line-out, which is the biggest issue. And we have to see who's bangs, bumps and bangs for next week against Leinster. And obviously there'll be guys going to the Ireland camp because when you're playing as, as well as some of these lads are, they're going to be playing international rugby in November. <laughs> yes, we're just topping up here. Connacht won. Eight tries, 2-1. I was saying beforehand they could do this. I had a feeling that was possible. One of the reasons why is myself and yourself, William, were over here in February and Connacht really could have... They won 55-30 or something. They could have won much more comfortably. They were a bit messy in defence that day. And once again, Zebra don't seem to have moved on. I think they've gone backwards, really. If you look at what they did last week and today at home, uh, Connacht were on the front foot from the start. They were under their posts after 30 seconds. Mm. They just stayed there, essentially... Apart from a 15-minute period when we had a couple of flare-ups and uh, the chap sent off for biting, and the game got very disjointed, and that set up an op- a couple of opportunities for Zebra, which they didn't take. They didn't put. They never got to the Connacht line. They didn't get within 10 meters of the Connacht line, and then straight after halftime, we scored again after about 90 seconds. That was 21-0. That was the game. Why can't we get William doing the craggy Twitter when he could tweet, you know, minute 42, zebra chap sent off for biting? <laughs> wow. Uh, looked like chomping, really. <laughs> alleged chomping. I just said it looked like chomping, so, you know, so yeah, alleged that. Yeah, yeah. There, was, there was already alleged chomping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I suppose it has to go with the discipline. It didn't, didn't, look, didn't look particularly good, but, like, as soon as, as, soon as um, Quinn got off the ground... And was pointing at his arm. There was only one reason why you point at your arm like that, and that means someone's tried to take a chunk out of it. And he just wasn't happy. Um, silly thing to do. There's just no need for it. And, and he also went into the dressing room, the same player, and apologised to Quinru oh. and said it was unacceptable behaviour on his behalf. behalf and he was very, very sorry. Oh, interesting. Class. Well, that's, that's, well, yeah, that's that'll help him at the sighting hearing. <laughs> we'll certainly have him. Yeah, but still class. What do you like? No, I was asking on our questions on Twitter, which we'll get to in a while, but he did ask uh, how long do you think he'll get? Six months, 12 months? But Well, when I, when I thought of six months, 12 months, I thought it was the age of the cheese he wanted us yeah. to bring home. <laughs> that's what I was thinking as well. But no. Italian rugby, do we need to spend any more time no. on. No. Um, I, I look, I, I, look they, they went through the ringer last week about how badly they played. They promised something today. They weren't any better. It won't go away. Everybody put their head in the sands pretending 
that this is not an issue. It is an issue that you can. One of the Italian sides will finish eleventh this season, my view. And they will get a position in this competition. That is not. It's an eight-year deal. I can't see that lasting eight years. I just, it just cannot. They will not keep going. I don't think this helps Zebra today. No. They're the whipping boys of this group. Toulouse are going to come here. Worcester are going to come here. They're going to lose the next four games unless something miraculous happens. No, that, yeah, they're, they're going to do very well to even stop one team not scoring yeah, four tries. We're talking about Champions Cup rugby here as opposed yeah. to Challenge Cup rugby. Or, yes. Pro, 12 or Pro 12 rugby. Of course, yeah. And obviously there is a difference. I would say that I would... I would I would like to see the the, the effect that Con O'Shea has after yes. after a few years. I know speaking to someone today about the Italian rugby, he believed that that Conor O'Shea should take like forty people into that Irish squad and keep them. In, uh, sorry, our, our, the, the Italian squad and keep them there to give them a sense of bonding and togetherness and to give the young ones a lift. Because at the moment, he said he's only got about they've only about ten sort of full-time sort of uh, Italian sort of players and they keep sort of bringing young players in and out and in and out and that was the just talking to the 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 Italian today that he believed that you know Conor O'Shea but they also said that Conor O'Shea goes to all the matches he's based he's well he is based in Zebra he's based at the Zebra Rugby Club and he spends a lot of time also going to Clubs, oh, yeah. okay. other clubs, and so they're very happy with his involvement in the club scene. And I think that maybe it's just going to take a little bit more yeah. time. Yeah. And I would not like to see—I would not like to see any of the Italian clubs um, left in the cold because it's not going to help. Would you rugby. like to see them stop being in the Champions Cup unless they're in the spot? Yes, I think yeah. if you're talking about meritocracy, I think that's the only fair thing to do. Is that you know they have to finish in the top seven to, to get there. Our argument is Russian rugby is on a bit of a high right now thanks to NSI's superb performances in Europe over the last two seasons including a great win over Dragons. They're on a different level but they're starting to get towards the level of Italian era. Our argument is that Treviso and Zebra neither of them have ever done anything in the bloody Challenge Cup and that should be their first port of call. Yeah, I think Treviso got beaten again this yeah, weekend so, you know, which is really you know, really sad to see like, like and I, I know the Italian Federation are based here in Parma and, and the whole ground is based around the the, um, the academy and you know it's a fantastic setup it really is an amazing setup but like Treviso have a total history of you know being the team and being everything about Italian rugby and I thought they might target the, the Challenge Cup this year but they, they seem to have let that go so maybe they're looking at they're not going to bother with it because they want to beat Zebra because all they really have to do is beat Zebra home and away and then they're in the they're in the, the, the Champions Cup again next year yeah, I think that's enough on that. Let's uh, hear some post-game audio, and we're going to get stuck into the Connick stuff now. Uh, first of all, we're going to hear from Pat Lamb, and then we're going to hear from Jack Carty. I'll take the first few, are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah. Pat, uh, in the last couple of visits to Parma have been quite tricky for Connick to concede it quite a lot and uh, it's a very different story today really clinical performance Yeah, it was a professional performance so we knew that um, you know, not many teams come here and put 50 but 
I think yeah, we, we, we had a, a team goal that um, we're disappointed because we had a team goal that we were not going to concede tries. It was a big focus for us. And the try we just talked about there, the try we conceded then was, was, was sloppy because we started with a line-out down in their half and we lost that line-out. And then, you know, they kicked it and we, we kicked the ball away. And then we, we turned the ball over and uh, we got penalised at the scrum and we got down to the end and we let them in for a soft try. So it wasn't just the score after try, it was that whole period of play. And... You know, and besides that, it, it, it had been good up to then, so we're pretty disappointed by that. Um, and then the other thing, I suppose, yeah, we're happy with the outcome and 50 points, but I just asked the question, you know, could that have been more? And they all, everyone replied, of course it could have, because, um, you know, we, we weren't clinical and at times we were probably trying to rush it and try to, you know, sometimes just a couple of passes were in or just being a bit more clinical. So... Um, we're very happy with the, you know, the, the outcome and and and, um, uh, and what we've done. But there's there's a bit of work, particularly with such a big game next week at the RDS. That's the youngest side you fielded all season, yeah. so you must take a lot of heart from the fact that a lot of those young players stepped up. Yeah, without a doubt, it's uh, as I said at the start of the week. The competition's coming back now, and I only get competition if guys choose to play well and do the work. And you know, there's, there's some great performances in there. That you know, again, I, I want the headaches at uh, selection. We want our selection meeting not to be quick. We want it to be able to, as coaches, sit down and discuss every selection, every position, and. And, uh, you know, we're starting to get back into that, which is what we had last year. And uh, so, um, you know, it's... uh, uh, But the maturity of the group is is the key. You know, uh, guys knowing their jobs, knowing what we need to do, regardless of the age, then they can go out and enjoy themselves, knowing that um, they're not out there by themselves. What's your immediate thought on a wasp to lose draw? How does that affect things? Yeah, it's good. Um, You know, obviously we're top of the table now, uh, but there's a long way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's obviously it shows how tough our pool is. uh, With those, you know, it's going to come down to two of us three going through. That's the that's the battle. But the good thing now, we've the main thing for us two from two bonus points. So we're nine points. Uh, We can now park this. Head over to you know we've got two big games in the Pro 12 starting with the ODS and before we head into a break and then we'll pick up the uh, Champions Cup back in uh, in December. Now I'm um, sitting in a good place with you know a tough job tough job to away to Coventry. So only last month that you came away from here in a game that was called off and Connacht weren't in a great place. It's uh, how how different a, a month can be. Like yeah, I know, I know. It's uh, we've come a long way, mm. you know. Uh, but as I keep saying, it's. Uh, you know, we're down. We were down last week. We can come back. I always have belief we can come back. Um, but we've improved out of sight since since uh, then. And and I said we would. It's just getting back and going through the work, going through the work. And we, uh, you know, we're getting stronger and better. And more importantly, and the reason we're doing that because individually the boys are putting the work in. Collectively, we we're, we're growing. Stacey Ealy's only the third Connacht player I think in Europe to get a hat trick. So have yeah. you unearthed another gem there? Yeah, I'm really pleased for Stacey. You know, he um, the thing I'm really pleased he scored the tries, but it's his fundamentals. You can see when he arrived, uh, all we want the players to do is get into the system. If you have a look at when he got tackled, the way he went to the ground, presented the ball, keep the play going, the way he slipped off the ball into certain positions. Um, you know, he was uh, waving to Jack, uh, you know, uh, on the left for that for that kick. You know, I just talked with Jack what happened then. He said he could see Stacey. And he had a lot of good chat. So, um, you know, he, he has... He's a talented guy that just needed an opportunity, just like Jake and, and Neeps and, and Dom. And so he's able to, um, you know, fit in. And more importantly, again, he's uh, he's good off the field too, and the boys have taken to him. I think they were giving him a little chant there. Someone was chanting it for him at the end, at the end too. 
ground to make up in the Pro 12 Leinster away next week yeah it is I mean we, we're not as I said we're not worried about the table it's around the uh, there's plenty of games we just got to make sure we go from game to game and improve on our performance uh, you know it's the first time we've met since the final and I know um um, you know, and it's at their ground, and it's but it's a place that you know we desperately want to win at um, and create a bit of history. Whenever there's history up for grabs, it gets exciting. So, main thing is to recover from here, see how all the niggles are. We had a few boys playing in the um, uh, back there, but there's certainly going to be some headaches, and we've got a short week just making sure that we uh, can arrive and really take our game to Leinster next week. Jack, that's a great four weeks now for Connacht. There's no way of looking at it any differently. Really gone almost to plan, really. Yeah, look, um, I suppose when we were sitting here four weeks uh, four weeks ago, coming in at halftime, um, I suppose we had a good hard look at ourselves after that. Um, we suppose since that we've, we've learned a lot. Uh, our work off the ball, our, our attack shape and even our D is all kind of bumped up since then. So it's just about improving every week and... I think if you can see the, the differences from um, Edinburgh t- to Ulster to Luce, it's been improvement every week, so we're going to need that again this week against Leinster. We know that's going to be um, a big physical test, so it's just about improving week on week. What is change like? You know, the easy thing to say is O'Connor had a bad preseason. maybe you weren't as sharp, weren't fit, whatever the hell it was. It's probably not that simple, though, but it's such a transformation from the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, look, it's, it's I suppose, a difficult one. Um, the first, the first two games, obviously, Jens Glasgow and Ospreys, you can see how well they've been doing in the league. Um, they're obviously certain games that they would have been targeting, Glasgow especially, at the beginning of the year. So I think it's just fellas taking ownership of probably their work-ons during the week. And then I think when we did click against Edinburgh, everyone realised, look, <clears throat> this is what we can do. Um, and we just stuck to that since then. Um, could have been easy today for us to, to lose our shape when it went to 14 men, but we stuck to, stuck to what we were doing. And uh, you can see that the result. We're really happy with that. Mentally, it must be so good to be able to bank Europe now with nine points in the bag and get back to a pro-12 campaign that you're trying to kick on in. Yeah, look, um, what do we have? Three, what's, how many wins and losses do we have in the Pro-12? So something we have to, something that we have to look at. Um, Obviously you put two back-to-back in anyway. Yeah, yeah, so two back-to-back um, against Edinburgh and Ulster. So it's going to be another huge test this week against Leinster. Um, obviously, as I said, they're going to be disappointed with how they went um, against Montpellier. But we're just going to have a look at the game today. We're kind of disappointed with how um, we can see that try at the end from our own mistake. So it's just about uh, when we do get into them situations that we just kind of have to put the foot in the throat and uh, kind of close out games. The narrative around what Glasgow did was getting revenge for the defeats in the semi-final. Uh, it mightn't have been that simple, but you're probably going to have to deal with a little bit of extra determination from Leinster after what happened in the final. How are you going to prepare for that? Uh, look, we'll just prepare the same as we do every week. Um, you know, We know when you go up to Leinster, uh, you're going to be playing in front of a big crowd, big vocal crowd. Um, so I suppose it's about kind of sticking to our game, not letting the outside kind of voice or stuff dictate or how we're going to play. So it's going to be the same as every other week. Um, it's not as obviously a long journey like this one, so it's a bit nicer running up the up the motorway. What's uh, like playing with CC Eli? He gave you a shout. He wanted he wanted to get that uh, he wanted to get that ball. He asked for the kick kick through. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, I actually was saying he was shouting for it. Actually, just kind of saw him with his hands in the air. So, yeah. Look, he's only here a couple of weeks, and he's kind of. Got, right. went straight in got yeah. a hat-trick so it's really good when you have fellas who kind of buy into everything we do um, I've been rooming with him this uh, this weekend over here and he's just a great guy to have around the squad uh, look it just shows kind of the culture that we have here fellas can come in and they really add to it and he's another fellow who's done that Peter Robb good performance day at 13 mm-hmm. Keane Keller into the fullback role it's a new look back line from yeah. last season it seems to be working well yeah look um, I suppose since the start of the season we had a, had a lot of injuries it's going to be uh, competition in all places now um, I suppose you've turned in Bundy who didn't play this week but Craig, Peter played well then you had uh, CK obviously played really well and then you have Marnus coming in so it's going to be a competition all across the back line 
uh, the next coming weeks, which is only good. It kind of keeps fellas on their toes and obviously then just gets performances better. You had a try and a couple of assists just to finish. Mm. Are, you, are you back? Are you back to your, in your groove? Do you feel like you're back at 100% now? Uh, yeah, look, I probably it's easy to say that I, <clears throat> I wasn't there at the beginning of the year, but I suppose just for me it's about uh, about getting my, my head in the right place. And I think the last couple four weeks or so I've certainly done that. Uh, obviously still have a lot of work on um, my goal kicking maybe the last three weeks wasn't up to where it was so uh, just really have to kind of nail that but it's good when you have fellas like uh, Craig and Bundy and fellas like that who just take pressure off you it's uh, armchair ride then the fans love the fact that you have all these work-ons but just can they rest assured that you're enjoying the fact that you've won four games oh right? yeah look it's, it's great to great to get back winning um, I haven't haven't been playing I haven't played on a team it's, um, last year obviously when we all them games one or all I wasn't playing so hmm. look it's really good feel around the squad um, everyone's um, behind each other so it's, it's really good Voice of Jack Carty there. He had a fine game, didn't he, Lindy? Always took control, took charge, produced some lovely, you know, kicks. He was um, and he directed everything perfectly. And um, yeah, he was he was very much an, an integral part and a pivotal part of that of that victory today. Yeah, he, he made one tackle on on um, Golden Hayes, who's like must be nearly twice the size of Jack, because he's a big, big man. And Jack just put him on the ground by tackling around the ankles, which is what you should do when you're tackling a bigger man. And it wasn't the only tackle he made today. Like he really has brought his game on in so many ways. Um, and yeah, I was I thought he was excellent today. Alan was saying, William, in the commentary, this is the youngest Connacht team, and I mentioned it to Pat Lamb there, that has uh, been fielded all season. Uh, and there was a lot of young players who stood up today, two of whom I'll give you Della Hunt at uh, the age of 22 and Sean O'Brien at 21. Both had excellent games. Sean O'Brien was very impressive off the bench last week against much better opposition. Um, he's a big lad, he's got good hands, he works very hard. He's it's just he's, he's he's because he's so young. These guys have got the Connacht. They're, they all play the Connacht way, and they believe in that system because they have never seen anything else, and therefore they're completely committed to it. And that really helps. And they had excellent games. They will look at the opposition. If you sat them down here and said, "Well, you had a fantastic game and you were brilliant at all," they would say, "Yeah, but you have to mark who they've beaten, but you only beat who's in front of you." And you do your own stuff well. It doesn't matter who you're playing. If you do what you set out to do well, then you've had a good day. Sean O'Brien would be what I would say is a, as an, an Anthony Foley type player. He plays with such intelligence. Like at one stage when Jack went in to make a tackle, Sean just slowed down ever so slightly so that the man could hit the ground so he could go in and rip the ball. Mm. And, you know, he, he's a fabulous player. He's got really good brains. And for a 21-year-old, he plays way above his his years and really puts pressure on everybody else who's there to make sure that they bring their standards up as well and Shane Delahunt did a fantastic job I tell you he was tremendous today Interesting enough Pat Lamb said in the post-match press conference that it was about maturing in terms of experience not necessarily age and I think that was a, a very very valid point and just when you're talking about those tackles I think not even Richie McCaw would have been able to stand up to that tackle that Peter Robb put in in the first half which led to that try what a tackle well we've said before that people get bundied (laughs) but Canna was robbed and then the ball was robbed and Carty was in under the posts yeah glorious 
Yeah, we didn't we didn't actually miss Bundy today. That was one of my worries that we'd miss Bundy and his influence because he has a huge influence on the team and how he plays and and you know how he gets on with things. And and Peter stood up to it and just did a fantastic job because I've only ever seen him play twelve before, and he played thirteen fantastically well. But he has an influence because these guys have been playing with him, and when they get the opportunity to go out there and do their stuff, they play that way. And that's that's what somebody brings to a side that you you maybe only see it when they're not there. But isn't it great to have that now that option that you've always looked at Peter Peter Robb as the twelve, the kind of heir apparent in many ways mm-hmm. to um, Robbie Henshaw. So it's another. To, sorry, it's, sorry, sorry. When you say that, do you know how many times Robbie Henshaw played twelve for us? Once. But because because he takes up that position. Yes, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But it's 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 a funny thing that you know we never really played Robbie in the twelve position. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those things. So it wasn't yeah. when Bundy arrived. No, the yes, other way yeah, around. Yeah. 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 No, Bundy yeah but it was funny watching Peter Robb do what Robbie did when Bundy did right because yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what happened was we had two twelves and today we had two twelves. In one sense, well, we had two modern day, two conic type twelves who are creative and explosive. I, and I also think that. You know, Peter Robb has grown up a lot in the last mm. two two seasons, mm. so he's not he's not a baby anymore. Mm. Um, he, is all, he was also outside um, Craig Ronaldson. <laughs> oh, coffee's arrived. So it's, uh, Can we get a couple more glasses as well? For the water? For the water. Okay, right away. <clears throat> For the wine, we're, we're all drinking wine here. We actually are drinking wine, wine. and they nearly got taken away. <laughs> okay, coffee's arrived. Can you possibly still have a train of thought? Yeah, I think with, ah, with Craig Robinson, I was, con- I was concerned. I Now, I have to confess, I was a little bit worried uh, before the match with the, the youth in the back line. Um, the lack of Bundy, uh, the lack of Turner Mel Holleran. Um, and I was a little bit concerned, but I was pleasantly, wonderfully, not so much surprised, but I was delighted with the way that the backline performed. And I think that that influence, you've got Kira Marmion, who's an experienced player now. You had Craig Ronaldson, who is a very experienced player, um, a very calm, a very calm, you know, and, and with, with huge leadership qualities. And I think that the combination of Peter Robb and Craig Ronaldson was, was a new combination, and I think it worked perfectly. Yourself and William are the usual attendees of the press conference, out of the Craggy crew anyways, and, and you you mentioned in the commentary about Craig impressed you in, in the press conference during the week, and you just enjoyed listening to him chatting about his goal-kicking, for example. Yeah, he's a very, very level-headed guy, and he talked well about coming back from the injuries that he's had. Uh, he, he made a point of saying he's enjoying his rugby, and he I think he enjoys the goal-kicking. And he's one of these guys that really enjoys that bit of pressure because it, he feels it's it's on him. I said to him, how unnerving is it the sports go when you've got this hubbub of 9,000 people? 8,000. 8, Sorry, I've added, I've added 1,000 there. But, uh, against. They said there were 3,000 at tonight's match show. We yeah, but hang on, hang on, hang on. The, 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 um, the media are never counted. and There must be 1,000 media coming to Connacht Games these days. <laughs> that's true, that's true. But I just said to him about the sports ground, how the silence is unnerving and he said yeah but that helps him get into his bubble I, you know, and I think if a guy really likes goal kicking like that then stick with him That's, and I think they will but 
it's a crucial part of it. It's it's not just doing the job, it's really enjoying the challenge of it. That's fascinating that it helps him get into his bubble, the silence. That's interesting. I've never really heard a guy say, I like the silence. Most people don't say anything either way, but I like that just shows you Craig will find a way to get in. And Lindy mentioned his leadership qualities, which I think are really important because you've said it before, Alan, people should stop saying we're a young team all the time. You were just pointing out that this was our youngest team, yes. but you are often trying to tell me, don't keep calling this a young side either. There's plenty of experience in there. Yeah, so like we were, the average age was 24.9 today, so, and you know, take, take, take John out of it and it comes down even more. But yeah, you know, during up, up to now, it's been averaging nearly 27. So, you know, we, we do have a lot of good, experienced players in there. Um, and Craig, what, what, you know, what really impressed me about Craig is that he, he, was, he was a winner when he played in Lansdowne and he brought them to a title and he played well and, and he stepped up and now he's, he's just got the same attitude. And it's like this, this idea of having a second 5-8 on the field that can make a decision to run, kick or pass in the 12 position just gives us so much more. I want to ask you about second 5-8. Like it's a Southern Hemisphere thing. Why was it always there? Has it always been there? Do you kind of did they kind of look at European use of centres and wonder what are they thinking? No, it's, to be honest, I just grew up with the term first five eight, second five eight. I actually remember when I first came to to Ireland, yeah. and I was talking to someone about rugby. I was first trying to get into the rugby scene and to get a handle of it. And I had been in Scotland, where obviously they call them fly halves. And I remember asking this person, um, and he was going through the team, and I was kind of, in my head, I was kind of going, okay, out half, that's first five, yeah, whatever, yeah. fly half. And your man heard my hesitation, and he said, it's obvious, my dear, you don't know much about rugby. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, you know look, to, be, to be fair, he wasn't that far wrong. It wasn't that I didn't know much about rugby. I suppose it was just that I never really had reported on rugby you know, yeah, that you'd grown up with it as a New Zealander. Yes, yeah. it took it for granted, and yeah. um, but that, the, the term the, the second five eight is, is simply is simply that that the second five eight is is the sort of the um, support for the first five eight. Yeah. He knows how to kick, he knows how to kick goals as well, and he's just almost like the the perfect foil in some, some ways for a first five eight. Mm. Yeah, and it's just such an integral part of the way they think about rugby down the Southern Hemisphere. It's, not it's something we're kind of trying to, trying to bring back into the game. And it's come back into the game at different points from different clubs in Europe as well. OK, let's get a little break because we want to talk about questions on Twitter. We want to see if there's any other elements. We definitely want to talk about where this puts us into pool because it's been a good weekend all around for results. Alan reckons he'll explain why in terms of uh, for Connacht. But it certainly was a good weekend in their group. We was scoring that last minute try to, be, to get a draw. Uh, that is better than to lose winning that's for sure so with that in mind let's take a break Anthony Foley passed away last week incredible emotion in Tolman Park as we record this yesterday uh, and John Fallon who follows Connacht around was also in Tolman Park the day before so he had travelled through the night along with Michael Corcoran who has gone through a very very busy and emotional weekend as well and he got through a tough commentary today so full credit to him if he's listening absolute superb work from him friend of the podcast friend of the podcast one of these days we'll get him on we'll have to work out the contract but leaving that aside uh, here's John Fallon talking to Alan Okay, I've got John Fallon from Media West Ireland. John, you were down in Tolman Park yesterday. There were incredible scenes down there. Incredible scenes and an absolutely incredible week. I, I was in Paris last Sunday um, when the whole thing unfolded. And in one sense, it's hard to believe it's only a week. Yeah. And another part of it, it's, it, it, it's just all rolled into one. And 
I think it's been such a harrowing week for, for all of, not just Munster, but for all of Irish rugby, all of Irish people. There's people talking about Anthony Foley this week who yeah. never spoke about him, never heard of him. Mm. And I think yesterday, you know, it was once they made the decision to go ahead with the match, and Munster were party to that decision, Glasgow Warriors were, were absolutely outstanding to Gregor Townsend, Dan McFarland. They, they left it to let them make the call. If they wanted a game, they were going to show up and do that. Um, and along with the EPCR so it, in many ways it probably would have been better maybe if there was a day or two between the funeral and that but one rolled into the other but I don't think I've ever been at an occasion mm. like it I think it was, it was one of the most harrowing one of the most emotional events I've ever ever been at um, and none of that surprised us because that's what Munster do better than anybody Indeed. and Indeed. you know there, there's you know, we make huge progress in Connacht and everywhere else, but when you see something like that, and it, there was only, a, I think, only, only going to be one outcome in all of that. The outcome of the game, of course, is incidental in many ways, but it's not either, because they needed something to lift them. Yeah. It was rugby that brought them together in the first instance, and... It would have been perfectly understandable had they not produced performance and got beaten, but I think it would have just added another layer of whatever to, to the grief that's there, in, in, in many ways, in a very small way. And I think it just showed that, you know, aside from anything else, life does go on. Um, it's what Axel would have wanted as well, and it has been, you know, he's, as a player, um, as a coach, and prior to that, as, as the son of a... A monster player. He's, course, he's, yeah. And that cycle is continuing with his own young lads. We used to see them. We'd go down even press conferences and they'd be around the place with matches and that. And that whole cycle was continuing. And I wrote about it this week in, in one of the papers. I was in, in um, Scotland last year. They played Glasgow in a, in a match. And it was midterm break. And it was a refixed match. And his two young lads came along. It was a charter flight out of Shannon. It was a day trip. Came along. And Anthony's dad, Brendan, came with them to oh, mind them. Oh, yeah. And I'll never forget it. There was matches in Kilmar and the grandfather was taking the two young lads off and Axel came over he was doing a couple of pieces or whatever and he said look at them going off he said um, he said they think they're going to milk him he said as in buy him stuff and he said they don't know what's coming he said he'll walk the legs off them. And, and, and did that and you know just, just as a snapshot of, of all of that part but I think Yesterday, the crowd played a huge part in it. They, the crowd waited and applauded the Glasgow team off their bus into the dressing room. And, wow. and it's, it's that sort of class yeah. that is there, and it's there on the big day when, when it needed in it. I think they produced the performance on the pitch. I think you saw the best of everything. You saw the best of refereeing. Harsh, you know, to send yeah. off Keith Earl's correct yeah. decision. Very, very difficult. An invidious position to put a referee in. Mm. And, and yet stood up to it and everybody agreed with that. And right through it, and I think it just, given the week that was in it and the amount of adrenaline and emotion and the flow of the whole lot of it was a release valve in the match. Not just on the pitch, but in the stands. And I think a lot of, including ourselves, a lot of it, you know, held her together until the end of it. And yeah. we saw the huddle at the end, and you saw Axel's two young lads coming out and joining into it. And it just, you know, it, it just brought a new level to the whole lot. It was just twist of the whole emotion of the whole lot of it. In one sense, rugby was so incidental. Another part was so, so important exactly, in it. Yeah. Um, and I think long after, you know, just so many parties to it. But, you know, it... it 
I think on the field they gave him such a send off in the in the stands they gave him such a send off and yeah. to see the likes of in, in Belfast in the Kingspan Stadium last night for yeah. Ulster supporters singing the field of Acton Rye she's a Connacht song you know but she's, <laughs> we'll give them that one Absolutely. and to see it and see the Munster flags I see Connacht supporters here today and they've got Munster flags and it's 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 not a bandwagon either it's a, it's a, no, it's, a, it's, a it's, it's a real emotion part of it we can all identify with it we all know people of that age that you know die tragically with no fanfare in, yeah. in all of that but this is very very public and I think it's been done with such dignity and such respect by so many quarters and aspects to it that you know it, it is it is uplifting and, and yesterday's match and the display in it and just that whole part of it. people we couldn't get across to the press conference afterwards because people were still stuck there right. in it and let's face it the age profile of your average monster supporter you know they're in their 50s 60s they're yeah. not they're not yeah. kids yeah. it's, it's yeah. in that and I saw it last week in Paris where you 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 know, there was two men that I went to interview in it, and they were, they were I would say, in their 70s, and we never got off the ground because the two of them broke down. And yeah. they were hardy bucks, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, but just that, you know, something, a death, a tragic death like that of a, a young man, a very, very popular man, a father, the whole lot, it strikes a chord with all of us. This one was done in, you know, in such a public way, and I, I just think... They couldn't have asked her to deliver a better send-off than they did in Thorman Park yesterday. And it was a privilege to be there yeah. and to be part of it. And I think this week is going to be so difficult for them. I think so. I think yeah. the adrenaline, that whole part of it will have moved on. And I think it's this week, Monster. And our friends, our, our, our colleagues, our, our, the people we're challenging or whoever it might be or whatever, probably they need help this week probably more than any other time because... That initial surge, this disbelief that this has happened, ha- has now passed. Mm-hmm. And I even just saw it yesterday, by the time I finished work there, it was quite late leaving, and you could just see the energy draining out of the people there. People we work with, the media, yeah. all of that sort of stuff. And yeah. It has taken a huge toll. Yes. And I think this is the week, in, in many ways, that you know they need people around them like that. And I think they will. I think they will. Like as I said, it's struck a chord with everyone. Yeah. You know, and. You know, you look at like Ulster, they lost Nevin Spence a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I, I cover Ulster quite a lot, and I saw the impact of that in it. And Munster were the first ones up mm. to actually do something to commemorate him, to do, you know, so there is that fraternity there that should be there in all sports. Yes. Right yes. to it. Exactly. Not just in good times, but in bad in times, bad times well, in all yeah. of that. And it, it, it's brilliant to see, and as I said, it was brilliant. Just all of that yesterday. Yes. It, 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 it really was some occasion in, in all of that, notwithstanding the terrible grief and the terrible this loss. And dare I say it, even in our case, we used to look forward to him by Ghost Rose's column for several years. It's, you know, it's, it's just impossible to believe the guy is gone. Yeah, it's, it's it is. Simple as that, it's, you know? it's just so shocking for a man of that age yeah. and, and, and a fit man. Like he was, he looked after himself. Yeah, and, absolutely, you know, he was playing professional rugby up to to seven or eight years ago, yeah. and and in doing all of that, you know, it's a, that's, you know, it's it's just terrible. But you know, such as such as life, such as death, it happens, unfortunately, all the time. And in this case, as I said, it was just such a public one but I, I just thought the dignity that everyone involved in it you know mm. it, it, it would do your heart good absolutely well I'm sure the Munster family will look after his family and um, rugby will be the, the better for it absolutely absolutely and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that will be the case okay to finish the podcast a couple of different pieces of our usual business when we're away from home we're here in Parma for another few hours we have an early flight tomorrow don't we William 
Well, we have an early train. The flight's at 20 past 11, the train's at 13 minutes. Who told me I have to be up at 6am? You do. That's tough. You'll survive. I will survive. Thanks, William. Alan. Questions on Twitter as read by Alan. And we still haven't got a sting for that. I think it sounds good when I just say it like that. All right, fair enough. Dave O'Connor asks, what's up with the line-out? We don't have a caller when Andrew Brown comes off, is there, or is there something else going on? That's an interesting question because it came up at a press conference recently when Jimmy Duffy was there and the question was asked, I think I asked him about the line-out calls because obviously Ali Muldowney was possibly the, the senior line-out caller um, in Connacht before he left. Andrew Brown had been a line-out caller, but he spent most of the season injured. And Jimmy Duffy said it was an area in which they were well aware of that there were too few line-out callers. So they were trying to get more of the players involved in learning how to line-out call, Alton Delan being a new one to it. So I think the process of of teaching people how to be line-out calls is, is probably more complicated than people think. It's not just saying, oh, you know, we're going to do... Number you know, two. Yeah, Number four. Exactly. <laughs> it's all about where you are on the pitch and, you know, is it a defence, you know, where the defence is and, I mean, it, it's, it's, not, it's not easy. And I think, so I think the answer to Dave O'Connor's right, question yeah. is that it's a work in progress um, Alton Delane, let's face it, is you know he, he's he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's a baby in terms of how long he has been there. Yes, he's been propelled into the Irish team, obviously because of his raw talent, but that doesn't necessarily mean to say he's got experience to be a line-out caller, which is quite a complicated duty. So I think it is a work in progress, which will improve. I don't know. Westport won a junior cup with. Ballon Road ball uh, being their best call in the lineout. I think it's something to do with someone who lived on Ballon Road Road, but anyway. <laughs> but yes, they're complicated, I know. Okay, next one. Um, Ronan from England Seapoint, as we, we, we know him well, um, says lots of good stuff from Connacht individuals, some really well taken tries, but back to back games against Wasps will demand much more. William. I don't think beating Toulouse is going to demand any more than playing Wasps um, a lot of people seem to feel that Wasps are better than Toulouse well they finished 20 each today so yeah, there was interviews, it was a good result Advantage Wasps. it was a very good result Yeah, I, th- I think they know that um, and there was a lot of things that were I think you, you beat who's in front of you and I think they are capable of playing better Um Wasps will bring a different dynamic. They're an English side, and we, we our record against English sides is a bit watery, but we have no reason to fear anybody. We're not going to fear them. We'll stick to our game plan. We'll probably go over there and play exactly the same way as we do, and we'll play exactly the same way at the sports ground, and we'll actually say to them, effectively, this is what we do, what do you do? What did you make of Pat Lamb Lindley saying that he's kind of happier with the notion of going over to them first in the back-to-back? You know, as in, they have to go to Wasps first, so that's a better situation for him. Yeah, because then it, exactly then they'll know exactly what they have to do when they mm. when they come home and they've got a obviously home is the place where you where you need to win. Um, it's the place where you expect to win. Mm. You've got everything going for you, so they'd have a fair idea um, what is required possibly to win, and also um, you know they'll have a fair idea of what they need to win by possibly, if it comes down to a situation where you've got too loose involved as well. 
Okay, Toulouse are probably looking at 10 points in the next two rounds also, so well, they're on three right now and Connacht are on nine, that'll change after the Wasps game. Yeah, it's certainly well, I'd expect Toulouse to win. We, yeah, our record against English clubs in Europe, in right across the board, you know, from 1996 is um, 1-10, lost 26. So it's not particularly good against seeing the size. We've won. won as many as ten. <laughs> yeah, I know we've we've, we've beaten Worcester yeah. back to back, and we've beaten a few exactly. other teams in the challenge. Yeah. And of course, we beat Harlequins in the, the Heineken Cup, but that's our only win in the Heineken Cup or Challenge Champions okay. Cup against an English side. We beat Harlequins in the second leg of a Challenge Cup semi-final as well, but it wasn't enough. I think those times have changed now. I think you yeah. know that, that those those stats are, are fair enough. They're they're real. They're 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 there. They're there yeah. But you're talking about a Connacht team that was a completely different beast mm-hmm. in those days, and in those days, you know, let's face it, Connacht teams were weak when it came against a lot of English sides. It was more in going out to play in hope. There's also that element as well that we were the Cinderellas and we were up against the big boys of, of England. I think, you know, in the last, you know, four or five years, that that it, that has changed quite considerably. And in fact, now there's more anger, the fact that we probably lost to Gloucester twice when we should have won yes. those games. And I think that confidence now that is imbued in this Connacht squad is a totally different thing to the lack of confidence that was always in Connacht possibly in the last in the past let's get through a few more questions that's good we kind of covered where we are in the group and what we think well, well Gavin, Gavin Grace does ask a very direct question is um, what do we make of Connacht's chances against Wasps okay well I think, a bit more direct I, I think I'd be very confident of Connick being able to be Wasps at home. I'm not as confident away from home, I think, overall, then in the head-to-head. If I had to call it right now, I think it'll be even. I think it might be something around five points each or something, and that mightn't be enough to top the pool. But move on to the others. Well, I think going away from home is always, you know, you are always the underdog. I mean, that's that's why we love being at home. We love the sports ground. We've got our home support. We don't have to travel. You know, everything's familiar to us. That, I mean, so that's why, obviously, you know, being away from home, the home side always has the advantage, and the home side is always expected to win um, against a team which is your, your equal. Very much the head-to-head. What do you reckon it'll come out of? Well, it's, it's you know Sully Sully makes the point that you know um, wasps have some amazing backs, but their pack has a soft under, underbelly that kind of can exploit, and um, that'll be interesting to, to try out next week Cut or after, in a few weeks or in a few weeks' time. Because you're saying don't go after English teams up front, try and play them around the back. Wasps might be one of the few English teams that we go after up front. Do you think in the head-to-head over the two games, kind of get an edge? Would you predict it? Um, so you know what I'm saying here. Yeah, like, I know. Because what's that, going I, to be key here is who comes out with the most points out of the two games. I think I think it'll be evens over the two games. Yes. That's my feeling about it. I think so too. Although if I'm really pushed, I might say Wasp might get an edge. They might get a losing bonus point where we won't, but we'll see. Yeah, I'd be inclined to go that way. Yeah, maybe six four or something. Six four. Which we will take for now, because then you go into the final two rounds right in. It does look as it stands, William, that Connacht are going to go to Toulouse with something to play for. That seems almost certain. Yeah, unless they lose both games to Wasps, and even then... Even then, a winner of five points against Zebra, and they'll yeah. go there. Well, they're going to get five points against Zebra. Yeah. There's no way Zebra are going to turn up at the sports ground and do anything. I would be That would be the biggest shock of all time. Um, and it does mean that you're live going into the last game. Yeah, and you really can't have any more than that, because there are some other Irish provinces that mightn't be in that position when we're going into the last game, but we will be live when we go to Toulouse. Alan, more questions? Yeah, one one last one. Um, Sylvain Gathe wants to know how do we think that Mr. Boshop is going to fit into our team now? I'm sure Pat Lamb um, and Timor wouldn't have sourced him and brought him over to Connacht unless they thought 
that he was going to fit in. You know, I have to, to be honest and he, fair here. I have to congratulate, you know, Tim Allnut and 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 the management team when they source players. I don't. We've had very few players in the recent in the recent past who haven't fitted into the Connet. I think it's part of the Connet ethos that they source players who who they who were very honest. They're very honest. I think when they come here what they require from them, what they need, and what they ha- how they have to fit in. And I think an example, Dave and Pat mentioned it at, at press conference this evening, was Stacey Illy. And, you know, he said that, you know, Stacey had fitted in incredibly well in the short time he was here. And then afterwards, even the team and people were calling his name because he had fitted into the Connet way, as Pat calls it, extremely well. And I... Now, it is, it is slightly different. I think... Um, Manus Boshoff is uh, uh, from where he comes in South Africa is probably some, something reasonably new to Connacht. Um, we've had quite a few South African players in the recent past Johnny Pullman, Brett Wilkinson um, Manus is coming um, from Johannesburg slightly different area to what, where the, a lot of the players have come into Connacht but I am sure that he is coming for a reason that he wants to play top-level rugby. It's obvious that he is no longer identified as a player in the South African national squad. I think he's probably said to himself, they identified him as a player to come here, and he's probably said to himself, he's married, he's... You know, this is the opportunity. And, and what, what, what all people, all the New Zealand tours have come here and the Australians and from ever, they've come here at a certain time of their lives, most of them, a lot of them married with children to experience, you know, living in another country, playing rugby in another country, and let's face it, also making money from the job that they love best. Yeah, the simple reality is economics as well means there's opportunities for these players to earn good money in European rugby. So... He has 26,000 followers as well on Twitter. Yeah, he's got a massive following on Twitter, so um, we'll see. He's tweeted out a photograph. He already must be in the top two comic pairs. He's tweeted out a photograph of the sports going with the sun shining and not a wind wind blowing. Probably the one day of the last three years there's been no wind. Uh, we'll, he'll see it's a bit different to that. But he, look, he'll enjoy the atmosphere and um, I think he'll fit in, but it'll be, it'll be a challenge for him. And... They've obviously identified him as somebody that they feel can handle that challenge. Okay, before any other business, Alan, there's a run of games now. It's looking like the following. Leinster away next Saturday, 5.15. Then Dragons away on the Friday, the following after that. Two weeks off, then Cardiff at home, Treviso at home, and then into the Wasps games. But there's four really interesting games there. Not beyond the balance policy. Possibilities that kind of win all four, but you could lose two or three of them as well. They're targetable, let's put it that way. Well, like the Leinster game is a bit of a strange one. That all the Irish players will be taken away because it'll be heading to Chicago, which is daft. Which is, yeah. You know, well, it it, it just like devalues it just devalues a, a, an interpro so badly. And I know the Welsh the Welsh are really upset as well. A lot of Welsh players are going to miss their Welsh derbies that are on next week as well. And it, it does sort of take a little bit away from it. And hopefully, we know that they're they, you know the authorities are working. And making sure that sort of stuff doesn't happen, you know, as time goes on, and we're talking about moving the, the season around, and you're looking at the possibility of all the Heineken, sorry, all the Champions Cups games being played in December and January, um, to allow you know everything to be played in one major lump, and then maybe the semi-final and final played after the Six Nations, which gives everybody a chance to book hotels and book rooms mm. and whatever. Um, not sure I'm overly keen on 
Champions Cups games being played over over the Christmas period when all the you know I think every nation has their Derbies because people are home away from you know people have come back from wherever and they want to go to something they want to get out of the house and they want to do something with a family uh, in a family way which is just something about today there there was they got to 200 kids there today um, playing I think there was 10 different sides playing in, a, in an under 13 splits around and there was a great buzz around the place there was lots of kids lots of families um, in around in a, in a in a really cracking setup that they have here in in Parma. For rugby, it led to a really nice moment in the minute silence when you had all these kids talking who didn't know what was going on. But it was something wonderful about that because it was everything that Anthony Foley would be about as well, as, as you pointed out with him. You know, it was a minute silence being interrupted by a load of kids who were playing rugby. Yeah, and they were just excited because yeah. they'd been brought in from nice outside. About it as well, like. Yeah, well, it, it, was, it, was, it was actually because they'd all been lined up. They, they had their normal sort of flag wavers as the players come out, but they got all the other kids out and they lined up to the 22. So <laughs> yeah. the players had to run all the, the way to the 22 before yeah. they could go. And it was just getting them all back onto the field while the minute silence happened. Yeah. And, and they were just sort of buzzing about being on the field and, and whatever, which was great to see. Yeah, something nice about that. Anyways, any other business? Uh, I think Alan said to see anyways for what's to come. We're all off to Dublin next weekend. Yeah, we certainly are. Piling into your Ford Focus. Mondeo. Ford Mondeo. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. You wouldn't, we wouldn't get everybody into a Focus, Rob. Yeah. But I am bringing five people to Dublin for the match on Saturday. That's in the middle of the back. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, the back middle is going to be shared out on a, a basis of there's three people. <laughs> you haven't even got that seat. <laughs> you haven't even got a seat. There's, th- there's three people in the back, and uh, you can work it out for yourselves. And if you want me to stop and change it round, I will. It's going to be interesting. Any other business, Alan? Um, no, I love Parma. It's almost. It feels like the Galway of Italy. It's, it's, it's a university town. There's just a buzz around. There was a buzz last night. There was a buzz this morning. There just seems to be people around. It's just a cracking little place to come and visit. That's it. Connective one fifty two seven. Hat trick from Stacey Ely. Great debut from Stacey Ely. Great debut from him. Perfect game for him, actually, possibly to start mm. to give him that confidence. And only delighted. Bring it on. Do the man the match. Jack Carty. Jack Carty, but I don't know. No, I just want to apologize. I, I think I inadvertently said it was only the third um, hat-trick that was scored in... And then I went and used it in the press conference. The this press is how conference. the team yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's the third. I thought you were saying third. Two, we, yeah, but you said three all time over there. That doesn't in Europe, yeah, no, no. I got that completely wrong. Um, Dan, Dan, Danny Reardon got two, two hat-tricks in one season, for God's sake. It was her third hat-trick against Italian opposition. Exactly, third hat-trick against Italian opposition. So that's why I'm going to say I was right anyways all along. <laughs> I trust my stats, man. OK, another round. Let's do it. Starting at 6am. Yes, we're oh. starting at 6am. The train leaves at 13 minutes to 7. Gets into Milan at 18 minutes past 8. We get a bus, we're at the airport. On a plane. And instead of having a nice Italian restaurant on the way home, it's a roadside motorway stop. Yes. Okay, it's not all glamour, you know. Go folks. Jimmy Duffy eating gelatos. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Duffy eating gelatos. Uh, Good job from Jimmy today. <laughs>